This is a loosely coupled show with James Hickey and Derek Martin. If you're new to this channel, we chat about software architecture and design. Make sure to subscribe to get all our latest episodes. If you were to ask people what microservices is or what a monolith is, I think you would have, and like, and specifically how that would be implemented and what that overall architecture looks like for both. I think you'd get varying degrees of how that looks. So yeah. when we were taught, like when we talked in a previous episode about Uber's microservices and there was some messaging going on there, but there was a lot of mention of RPC. And I do think that you would get the majority. I'm, just, I'm making crap up here. Just my opinion. I think the most people would assume that microservices are communicating over RPC. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I, I, this is just going off of stuff I read on Twitter, blog posts I read, that I just feel like that's the majority of, which I totally disagree with. However, I think that's just kind of the common theme, which is, okay, these things communicate over HTTP or gRPC or whatever the hell it is. And then I think the assumption with a monolith is people conflate that word or interchange that word with a big ball of mud. Yeah, definitely. And I always say that the microservices, air quotes here, <laughs> that are doing a pile of RPC over HTTP or gRPC or whatever it is, is just a bit distributed big ball of mud then. Yeah. It's like, like a it million just, times worse. And it's worse. Because um, you can't, for me, the worst part of it is like you can't trace through like from one end to the other. You have to like jump into different systems. And yeah, I mean, like, you have to have log, if you do have like some kind of common logging, you know, it makes it drastically more difficult. It's really hard, yeah. Um, so, but, so the thing, the reason why I wrote what I wrote was because I don't, I think, and this was said by many smart people before, is that it's Conway's law, ultimately, right? Is that the, I, I believe it, is that your organization is ultimately going to dictate what that system look, looks like. And I think that's where like Uber or whoever is huge like that, that's where it's going to make sense that you have all these different teams independently working on whatever given service that it is. Um, never mind communication out of the way, because that's kind of a technical aspect, I guess. But they're going to all individually be working on these things. If you're a small team, which is really what I was, I guess, after in that you can have a single unified code base, i.e. a monolith, that does not need to, like, don't immediately equate that with having to be some big ball of mud intertwined mess. You can still take the same principles of what I would consider how services work and how they communicate and how they're loosely coupled, and you can still apply that to a monolith, meaning that the individual boundaries within a monolith can be very explicit. You can communicate between those boundaries within the monolith, 
solely over async messaging. And you get a lot of the benefits of still being a monolith, which is troubleshooting, like we were talking about, versus a, a distributed system. Um, and having everything in a single code base, knowing that if you're going to refactor a given message or you want to see how else something is being used in another boundary within the system, it's all there for you. You're not jumping around. The, you're not jumping around. It's, it's just so much easier. Yeah. And then the give and take, depending on your, I guess, deployment and the avail like how you're actually running in production, you can't like to say that microservices are better because you can deploy things independently is not really the case is if you have to deploy a bunch of them together anyways. Yeah. So if you're in that situation <laughs> where you have to deploy, so don't one, don't get in that situation, right? But to deploy things, depending, again, depending on your needs, yes, deploying a, um, a couple individual processes is riskier, but maybe you can, maybe you can deal with that risk, right? Maybe you're not, you're, that's not an issue for you. Right. And yeah. I, I go back to a conversation I don't know if we had on here, which was related to um, my migration to .NET Core, was you can follow uh, ideas like this, which was we just deployed single like to single instances our our .NET Core change. So we had like multiple instances of our app or different kind of processes running. Some ran on .NET Framework, and some ran on .NET, like at the very beginning, literally one <laughs> instance. Ran on .NET Core, right? So there's a lot of different strategies for deployment um, to get around this, hey, big bang, I just deploy everything and everything th takes a shit possibly. No, it doesn't need to be like that. That's more of a deployment um, strategy than it is necessarily your monolith. Mm -hmm. So I just, I don't see why people think it's like, it's one or the other where you need to be doing all these individual it's like we talk all the time. It's like this pendulum of like people go full bore one way or the other. It's like, no, yeah. you can actually find fit somewhere in the middle. And guess what? If you do what I was referring to, think about how difficult it would be to then carve out one of those boundaries and have it independent. As yeah, it's like, guess, guess it's... what? This is this, that it becomes the simplest thing in the world. Why? Because you don't have any actual code dependency within that uh, monolith. You're dependent yeah. on reference, like on projects that are solely just contain DTOs, like, you know what I mean? Just plain classes that are gonna represent stuff you're serializing. They, they don't refer, uh, reference actual implementation of anything. It's like yeah. they're, they're independent as it is. It just so happens that they live all within the same code base and they all get basically packaged up, if you will, into top level executables. Yeah, it's like you you could take each of, I guess I'm looking at your article right now, but like each of the bounded contexts, which are isolated, like you're saying, but you could deploy each of those um, independently into their own .NET Core process. But again, what benefit do you get? And this is, I mean, it depends on the, the runtime, but definitely with .NET Core, like it's super performant, like it's crazy performant. 
So it's like, why, 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 I mean, I can understand, let's say, um, maybe one of those bounded contacts is like search or something. And it's like really, 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 like the traffic is really incomparable to the other ones. Maybe, like, maybe that makes sense. But I mean, generally, putting them all into one .NET Core process, which, like you said, you can still scale that process into different instances. But it that even... would simplify the deployment too, right? It's like there's a lot of these things that people, excuse me, I think don't consider. It's like the logical coupling versus like the physical Correct. aspect. It's like you don't, they don't have to match necessarily. It's like I could literally take like one NuGet package, which doesn't even matter what it is, right? And then deploy that as a microservice. Like, or I could take a whole set of like bounded contexts and deploy them as one. And even if you like, even if everything is just all still one big thing, right? And you have say this, all these instances that are running this exact same instance, right? And you were saying like maybe search is heavier, that particular piece. So each executable, each process that's running, wherever the hell it's running in, let's say it's in some container service, let's say it's just on VMs, whatever the case may be, those that's still sitting in front of some load balancer. If you yeah. want to create rules to say, hey, these particular routes or this, this um, pattern, go to these instances, right? That, that are just, they're just the same instances as everything else. You're just kind of segregating saying, hey, these are the ones that we're going to hammer a little bit more. Yeah. So that you don't affect everything, right? And but then your, I, de your deployment becomes way simpler doing that too, right? Because you just, you deploy to the infrastructure and exactly. you have to worry about, okay, these two packages go into this thing and these other ones go into this one. And yeah, there's, I guess yeah. where I'm going with this is a whole bunch of cool ideas that came from <laughs> services, microservices to a degree, um, and these benefits and all these things, but it's like, people just see it as black and white as like, I'm doing microservices yeah. or I have this monolith where people think that's just some big ball of mud and it doesn't need to be it like and i'd argue depending like i don't know most um at least the worlds i've lived in i can't imagine starting a brand new app um that is immediately just going to be microservices yeah right from the get-go and i can understand why it would be is if you again based on organization if if everything has to be built, if there's this new application that's being built and it's all these different teams that are gonna to contribute to it, then yeah, it's probably gonna start that way. But if you're just a small team starting to write a small, like write an app and you're gonna have 12 different microservices and there's five of you, <laughs> yeah. right? Like it just, it might not necessarily, that might not necessarily, you're like you're creating way more complexity than, than you need to. Yeah, and then if you find out that you, the seams that kind of the like I call them seams, but um, that comes from the uh, uh, whatever that book is, uh, the legacy software book. Yeah, refactoring it, refactoring legacy software or whatever it's called. But yeah, it seems of being like, okay, here's the line where I'm going to split things up. But if you've determined those seams incorrectly, then like you either have to bring those things back together and. Now you have to have like two, 
you have to look at two different code bases at the same time and like diff them and like that. Just yeah, all that extra stuff if if you do it wrong. And like you're saying, if you if you do split things up, if you yeah, if you split things up front into microservices into different code bases, um, I mean the chances of getting those boundaries wrong are definitely higher. I'd say they're high no cases. matter what. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I just feel like it's like we when we were talking to Adam about this, it's like I feel like you're. Unless you know the the domain so well, and it's like your third iteration on creating a solution for it or something, yeah. but like, good luck getting them right to to begin with. <laughs> yeah, because as time goes I mean, on, you realize oh, like, and things change, right? Like, maybe your perspective or the way things like your insights, how the business is running, time change, times change. Maybe things are changing. Like, there, it's not going to be right forever. Even whatever yeah. your version of right was at a particular time. Yeah, and there's there's coming coming back to the RPC thing. It's like, what if what if there's a case where your organization introduces like this new feature, whatever you want to call it, that does have a coupling to an existing microservice, which hopefully has its own database and kind of has its own data store, which is a whole other topic. Um, which your your article addresses. Yeah, which is, it's like yeah, which is kind of brings up a whole other issue around like, the, well, we've already kind of mentioned it the logic the logical coupling and versus the physical and that yeah kind of understanding there's a difference there. But I think that like that that is the thing is that I I've, I've said before as well like I in talks related to this stuff is. Exactly that is where did this idea become that you have to have a repo that is a one-to-one -one with some deployment, right? Mm -hmm. And where did that, where did that all just happen? When, when did that happen? That it just all needs to be a one-to-one-to-one. -to -one -to -one? Yeah. And I had mentioned new get packages. Like, I mean, if, if you're node, to be NPM or Java, maybe, maybe I'm not too familiar with Java. But they have their own package thing. Um, but yeah, it's like a lot of times you might just have projects under a solution, but then other times you might choose to deploy like even like a whole bounded context as a NuGet package. Um, and again, this we could get into this, but you'd mentioned like there's different ways of of kind of creating bounded context, I guess, or like encapsulation, right? There's different ways to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could deploy all your bounded context as NuGet packages. Um, and that way your deployments, if you do have multiple teams, like, like if you grow, for example, and you're coming from kind of a, a monolithic kind of structure, I mean, it's pretty easy to, let's say, take one bounded context, which might have three projects, like in the example um, from your article, and just deploy those as NuGet packages and kind of your deployments just pick those up, right? Um, so it's kind of, but that, again, that's like, that's kind of like halfway, right? So it's like you can, it is distributed, but at runtime, you're still in one process. Yeah. But, but right until, kind of up until you're deploying to a machine, 
or like to the runtime, it's still all kind of distributed until the last minute. Yeah, and um, the, the, yeah. There's, so, I guess that's yeah. the thing, right? Is there's so many different ways to do this that yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at. Is you can take yeah. a bunch of these principle principles of coupling and how you want to loosely couple with messaging and how that gets deployed and how that's actually getting run um, can be like, there's just a variety of different ways. So that's what the point of the whole thing was, is hopefully give some different thoughts on uh, a monolith doesn't need to be a big ball of mud or does, I, I don't, I think it's just unfair that it's just, I feel like it's just immediately equated that way now. Yeah. And I mean, my suspicion is that developers who can't understand how the dependencies of, in this case, .NET projects, but even NPM packages or whatever. I mean, if you're not able to distinguish and understand how the flow of dependencies affects your system or affects other like packages, are you really going to do well with microservices when that's yeah. distributed? And it's even harder and like you're doing everything communication over the network um right so it's like like you're saying if you take a big ball of even if it's a small ball of mud i mean if you end up if you end up breaking this up by not using like asynchronous messaging but you break it up where there is actually like um, method calls between modules like you're basically going to have to use RPC to do that over the network. And I mean, yeah, we've already talked about this, but that was the Uber thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a lot of issues with that. So, but it's like you, you can do that in either case, or you could do asynchronous messaging in either case. I, my feeling, my feeling is, is though like, my opinion, I guess, my strongly held opinion, is that, I'll, yeah, I would suspect if you say, if you try to bring in asynchronous messaging into a monolith, people will just find, maybe find that weird because it's always like, oh, asynchronous messaging has to be between like multiple different systems. So people think that it's a tool to communicate between different systems as opposed to Again, the logical components communicating with each other, um, which is why I, I, which is why I like the SO, you know. And it's again, it's just all these different techniques and things that you you kind of use. But the whole SOA approach, definitely the SOA approach that Udi Dehan um, talks about. Um, like for me, that's closer to the sweet spot. I would say. And by sweet spot, I mean like it, it's actually addressing the real, or it's, it's actually considering all these different facets of, of the issue where, again, how you deploy that to a physical machine, it really shouldn't affect how you organize your code and how you organize modules. I mean, the modules kind of really depends on the logical coupling between, again, it could be di between different departments who have their own code bases or it could be just a team of five developers who see these pieces as being isolated for whatever reason. But yeah, it's like you said, it's there's a pendulum and it swings. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Loosely Coupled Show. If you did, please subscribe for more on software architecture and design.